Welcome to the Mad Pastors Podcast, the honest podcast for honest pastors, powered by G6 Allies, because everybody needs an ally. Well, hey everybody, welcome back to the Mad Pastors. I'm Nasally. So am I, because you know why? It's the freaking allergy It's season. March, and... It is the worst. And you may <laughs> even hear, uh, we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and, you know, where the wind comes rolling down the plains, sweeping down the plains. Sweeping down the plains. That is exactly what it's doing right now. 30-mile-an-hour winds, and it is stirring up that the, pollen, and I am so grateful. There's so a lot happy. of things that you think... How did the stereotype really happen? Because I don't see it, but Oklahoma and wind is not one of them. You only have to be here for, like, 20 minutes. It's like it goes from winter to Dorothy being blown away. That's exactly so, right. We, uh, listen, welcome back. Uh, super excited about our series. We're doing Red Flags. So we've been, you know, we, we kicked it off um, just a, a few episodes ago talking about the idea of, you know, ministry is, it's incredibly important to see red flags, right? One author said, uh, and I don't know him well enough to remember his name, but I'll give credit to somebody that said it. But I just remember reading as we kind of studied through what do we want to do here, and it was just funny. He said, "I wish that, I wish that broke." It was in a different context, but broken hearts were as easy to ignore as red flags in the beginning. And I think that that's a really good way to sum up just life in general, but especially ministry, because the the red flags that we fail to spot or that we ignore, they affect. They can affect tens of people, thousands of people. I mean, anywhere in between. And and as ministers of the gospel, we have to be willing to see those and. It's, you know, it's really hard to ignore that. And so today we're going to be talking about red flags when hiring. We're talking about hiring different staff members. And we thought, what better than to get staff members from the positions uh, or who have a long tenure in those positions? And so we're going to talk about hiring a student pastor. And, and I found one. You found really? one? <laughs> wow. I've been quick. looking. I've been looking for a student pastor that, that for a fast. long time. Uh, but I found one that's that's going to join us today, uh, and you can see him on, on your screen if you're watching us on on Boom. YouTube. Stephen Bell is with us, and uh, I have known Stephen for twenty plus years. Yeah, it's been a while, man. Yeah, it's been it has been a long time since uh, Stephen and I went to college together. And man, how old do you feel saying <laughs> twenty years ago I knew this guy in college and. Uh, Listen, listen, yeah, we're, listen we're, you, you don't you don't understand really how old you feel until you stand in front of a group of students and you're preaching to them. And then in the middle of your sermon, it dawns on on you. None of these kids were born before the year 2000. Okay, <laughs> That's true. Yes. Here, how about how about the fact I went to a, I took a group of students. So normally I've always like done my own camps or my church was big enough to do our own camps. Right. But we were at a church that was a little bit younger and there just weren't enough kids to go. And so I went and did one of those big conglomerate camps. It's famous. So I won't say the name of it, but we went to do and it was terrible. We went once and the speaker was awful. And uh, and, I, and the guy that was in charge of it, I knew him and he just said, hey, how did it go? I was like, well. Not so great. Like, I wouldn't get this guy again. Second year, I go to a totally different place in the country that's owned by the same people. That guy goes to that one, too. As a speak- Turns out this guy isn't even active at a church anymore, oh, but he's God. still preaching their camps. And here's what he does. He gets up the first night, and he goes, hey, he assured us last summer that he never waits till the end, except for God gave him a word that year, but then God also gave him a word this year. And he said, he went, Funny. guys, I just want y'all to know something. Back, you know, when I was... When I was doing student ministry, I was telling people they, they had this idea of being a poser. You know what a poser is? And I went, Oh gosh. Anyway, when you when you skateboarded, you get we had the posers and they had the real man. I was just like, dude, you need to leave. After that night, every one of my kids went, 
such a poser. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I felt old, too, because that would have been old for me. I'm in my That's, 30s, and that would have been old for yeah. me. <laughs> man. Oh, yeah. gosh. Steven, thanks for coming so, on and being an honorary mad pastor, man. Hey, I'm excited, man. I, I like to, I, you know, I thought of myself that way long before you guys called. So, uh, <laughs> we just coined it. <laughs> yeah. that, that's good. Go with that, man. Go with that. So, so Stephen, why don't you um, give us all a little context, uh, give us a little background about yourself. I, I teed you up. We went to college together. We've, you know, we've known each other for a long time. So, I mean, already you're in everybody's good graces, I think. So, so, so uh, yeah, I, I set it up so you you knock them down and, and take it from there. <laughs> uh, well, man, I uh, I'll I'll give you kind of the rundown on uh, my my walk into ministry real quick and uh, just kind of take you take you from there. Um, a lot of stuff. Give you the give you the short part leading up to the actual call of ministry. A lot of stuff happened when I got saved at the age of twelve. A lot of stuff happened when I was in high school. We actually, uh, during my high school, during the four years that I was in high school, we had, um, well, I think about six uh, classmates pass away mm -hmm. in those four years of high school. Uh, one of those being a, an extremely dear friend of mine who uh, who passed away at the age of sixteen, and, and it was right around that time that God began to really. Uh, cause a revival to break out in that area to where for months at a time, man, we, we were seeing churches flooded um, because of all this tragedy that had taken place and a lot of people making professions of faith. Um, you, you know, to, to, to put it, to kind of put it gently, there were, there were a lot of professions of faith made, but, but maybe it, it just kind of seemed like there were a lot of things happening because it almost became the end thing to do mm -hmm. in the midst of that. Um, but there was genuine salvation, a lot of genuine salvation that the Holy Spirit brought about during those during those times, of course. And, and it was during that time that um, God called a lot of us who were part of that revival, called a lot of us into full time ministry. Uh, I was one of those guys. And uh, what I thought first was music ministry, because music had always been a, just a big part of my life, uh, started pursuing that. And then by the time I got to the point to where I uh, needed to, you know, choose a college. Um, of course, me and Mike kind of strolled in right around the same time. I, I think I might have been there maybe a year before you were. I, don't, I can't remember. When did you come in? Uh, 2000. Oh, okay, I was there in 99. 99 so. Yeah. Uh, so um, long story short, um, really after when that revival broke out and seeing so many students make professions of faith, but in turn seeing so much discipleship that did not take place. Yeah. Um, the Holy Spirit really burdened my heart for discipleship, for students, seeing that they not only come to faith in Christ, but they progress in their sanctification, you know, by the, the Holy Spirit leading them and then them, them walking with, truly walking with Christ and not just, you know, coming to church, getting saved, you know, the whole, the whole right. jargon there. So really once the Holy Spirit started burdening me for that, I really began to see, okay, God, really what, what's happening here is you're, you're, you're taking what you've given me musically, which I am the first to say, uh, when it comes to drums, I'm, I'm all about it. When it comes to guitar, I'm a poser. All right. <laughs> what's that? What is that? Back in the 90s. <laughs> right, right. right. Uh, were were you the then, camp speaker that he was talking about? Uh, no, uh, no. Oh, okay. okay. I'm, I'm sure I've probably heard that guy speak. Yeah, that was a Southern Baptist passive aggression, me getting out to you. There's <laughs> this guy. 
Oh gosh. Um, and, and so I started, uh, started incorporating a uh, leading worship in student ministry, as well as being student pastor. Uh, I came on board for this church. It's it's, the, it's not my home church. Uh, but as I finished up college, came back to an open position as youth pastor here. Uh, this is the church that I'm at is the church where that revival really broke out. Oh, wow. and, and we saw a lot of that happen. Uh, so, so and right tell now, everybody what part of the country that's in. Oh, that, oh, sorry. I'm in, I'm in Southeast Kentucky, a little town called Heinemann. Um, it, it's more or less Mayberry. All right. So everybody, everybody knows everybody here, man. Yeah. It's a, it's an awesome place. The the people here are some of the most hospitable people you'll ever, you'll ever meet in your life. Uh, it's really, it's a really cool place to be. Um, but now, you know, fast forward, I come into this position in 2003 full time. I had done an internship here uh, and, and was just kind of being prepared to take to take this role. And, uh, you know, man, by the grace of God, uh, and, and I say that entirely by the grace of God, not anything in and of myself. I, I have been blessed to be uh, a youth pastor at the same church. June 1st this year will make 18 years. Wow, that's, that's awesome. Incredible. Yeah, that's so, great. Congrats for that. That's, yeah. that's... Uh, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. And so now uh, my wife and I, we've been married for 15 years. We have uh, we have five, ch- well, technically we have six children right now. We, we've got three biological, two adopted, and one foster child with us right now. So oh, it's a, it is a party in our house. I'm sure. <laughs> or a chaos. <laughs> and, that's, and, that, and that's all 12 years old down to one month old. So it's... Uh, yeah. It, it is it is an insane time, man. But man, God is good. Uh, he is. Uh, we're just now starting to see some transition in, in our ministry, and and God and we can uh, we may get to that a little bit later. But we're uh, God has been very faithful in, in nearly two decades of youth ministry, man. And and I'm and I'm extremely grateful for that. That's awesome. So, uh, in in two decades yeah. of student ministry, I mean, I'm sure you have seen staff members, pastors come on staff or leave staff. You, you've seen some, some transition over the, over the years. Have you ever seen that go poorly where, yeah. where maybe not necessarily at your church, you know, since you're right. still there, I don't, I don't want you to, to incriminate yourself well, or any of your colleagues. But <laughs> no, don't worry about you're that. You're familiar with where a church made a very poor hire. They, they hired the wrong person or, or it was just a bad fit, whatever. There's some reason that it, it was not a good decision. Well, because 18, 18 years is so rare. And that's part of why what you're doing now, that's what I always wanted to do. So I've been a student minister for about 15 years now. And my goal was always to be five or 10 years in a church and spend time and do that kind of thing and see, you know, kids go through. I remember in sustainable youth ministry, they used to talk about the idea that, you can't even count a ministry as successful or unsuccessful unless you've seen it for four years, you know, building and growing. And well, so yeah. I don't know, I mean, I, there's so many, I think that if people were checking red flags, so many staffs are just either unhealthy and who they bring on or unhealthy and how they function. It's cool that you're there, but we know that you've got a lot of stories <laughs> and a lot of people you've seen. So, so yeah, yeah. what have you seen that go for? When I, uh, when I came on, I think the average stage of a youth pastor in America was like 18 months. And yeah, so it's, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely, uh, you know, I'm, I'm extremely proud of the fact that there is longevity there and, and a sustainable ministry. But, but again, that, that, that sustainability is, is entirely by the grace of God and, and apart from myself. Um, I, I will say, I will say this, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm at a church, you know, I've been there 18 years. Our senior pastor has been there for 32 
So, and, and, and really that's a, that's kind of a common thing in a lot of churches in Southeast Kentucky, because most of your pastors are bivocational. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there's, there's very little seminary training in a lot of these cases, but, but some of the most devoted men of God that I've ever met who love the word, who love their congregation are guys who have n- not had any seminary training and right. are around here. Okay. Right. So, uh, so yes, there, there is longevity throughout our church staff. We're not a big church staff. There's, there's three of us that includes myself, uh, our pastor and our secretary, and, and so really the secretary has changed positions over the years, but not so much in pastoral leadership. And, and again, for that, I'm very thankful. One of the things I've seen in a, in a neighboring church here is they, they were very, I think they were so eager to hire someone um, that, that, that that's, that's the first, I, w- I would almost say that's the first red flag, not necessarily in the hire, but being, being the people who do the hiring is yeah. you cannot do this quickly. You absolutely cannot. Great statement. Um, you can't. You cannot rush the hiring of anyone in a pastoral role position. You just can't. Yeah. Um, they were so eager to get someone in and thought thought to themselves, "We've got to hire a person quickly because they did have a good number of students coming." And, and they just felt that they needed to get somebody in there as quick as they can. And so they hired a guy who um, almost, to be perfectly honest, he, he, he was almost garden variety of, of what, we, what we see Paul telling Timothy in 1 Timothy 3. Mm. Um, you know, this guy, this guy was a recent convert, and, yeah. and, and, if, and if he's going if, if to be a, a shepherd— yeah. Then, then even Paul tells us that. Even Paul said he doesn't need to be a recent convert, or or he may get puffed up. And and this is exactly kind of the tragedy of what we what we saw. And um, and so n- number one, uh, I would say red flag. Not say not saying anything bad against the, against the person, and not saying that the the person's conversion isn't genuine. It's just the reality that if they are a recent convert, then then a red flag needs to go up at well, least. Paul says it so well that we all deal with pride enough, no matter who you are, that that's, that's just a position where you got to be so careful because it's so easy. We, yeah. I remember we were at a church one time and I was really, it was the first church I served at full time. And there were some really unhealthy, the interns they treated like associates for a year or two and paid them really well. I mean, it was a $30,000 a year internship was the, to- I was like, Whoa, <laughs> that's better than most of So, but we, I might, I might sign up for I'll that. Get there. Yeah, really? You don't want to now. Hey, raise. But I remember there was this incredibly unhealthy uh, woman that they had hired younger, just out of college or, and still pursuing some stuff. But I remember thinking, and this was a church where you didn't say that you disagreed with something or bring anything up. Like you always got in trouble for that. So they were all like, man, you can break through the glass ceiling. Just don't tell us that it's there. And so, uh, they remember, I remember that they went up back and forth hiring somebody for this position for like a month. And, and I, and I asked the question, I said, well, why, why do they want to come? Well, she needs more money, but I, we just told them, you know, God's sufficient. But then she also said she doesn't like this, but then we said she really needs to come. Like they had just convinced this person. I remember in my mind and it was true. I went, this is not going to turn out good. Mm-hmm. You can't convince somebody to drop all of their needs and come somewhere <laughs> and then expect yeah. it to turn out well. That's crazy, though. How did it go with this? What were some of the red flags with this guy? Uh, well, well, you know, as uh, of course, let me I'll say this. First of all, the guy was an incredibly effective communicator, you know, which 
which, you know, for, for whatever reason, when a, a lot of times when churches are hiring, that, that takes priority over things that are way more crucial in the hiring process. Yeah, because right. they, think, they think we've got to get somebody who is going to be able to communicate on the level with our with our kids. But, but my goodness, man, the reality is that the Bible communicates on every level. And, and it's, it's not about your ability to be an effective communicator or else God wouldn't have picked Moses. <laughs> you know, it was, yeah, that's, exactly. that, that, that's just not the case. And so that wasn't the criteria in the new Testament and it wasn't the criteria in Exodus. Right. Um, the, the reality is you want the person God has there for you. Does God have other options? Absolutely. But he may have one intention of being there. And that's, that's who we're praying for. That's who we want there. Uh, so this guy, he, um, that was one thing. The other thing, even though he was an extremely effective communicator, um, he had a very, he was easily angered. I'll, I'll put it that way. Okay. Easily angered. He he was often, um, he, he did not really possess the ability to debate anything. Um, he, he got very loud. He got very aggressive. Um, you knew he was in the room. Okay. You, you just, you knew he was there. <laughs> there was there was no doubt that that okay so and so has just entered the room and so now we can uh, let's let's see what happens yeah. um, and so there was a lot of kind of blow ups there they, there were a lot of people that talked to him about that there was a lot of uh, grace um, given there on behalf of church leadership and whatnot uh, but that but that was one that was another huge area and again we we see that in First Timothy three you know right. not. Not easily given anger. Absolutely. So when I say garden variety, man, it's like it's it's all right there. Everything that Timothy says not to do, <laughs> do. That's what this guy did. That, that's yeah. what was going on. That was what it's was easy going to brush over things though when you don't look at them and consider them. <laughs> that, that's true. Well, that's true. or when, like Stephen said, when you yeah. are considering something else, when when uh, you think you've got the attraction magnet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This guy, he's he's a good communicator. He's flashy. Yeah. He's charismatic. He's going to draw people in, and that's our end goal it's, is to bring more people here. That he's the perfect guy for the job. It's such a but, dangerous thing, though, because oh, we. I mean, that's isn't all. I mean, all we've talked about scripture. You know, picking people that aren't necessarily eloquent speakers, right? But but the interesting thing is the opposite of what it says is be careful about people that are slick. Be Absolutely. careful about people. Oh yeah. Being way. I mean, and it's funny we look for the the wolf. And go like, no, 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 he's probably a good wolf. We need to get this guy. He's probably going to be good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's he's just such crazy. a nice wolf, and he communicates <laughs> so well. He didn't even try and bite me. It's going to be fine. Yeah, so. right. But, yeah, that's a great point. All mm. right. So, um, yeah, so there's there's some, definitely some poor decision-making that was taking place uh, in that one. Um, to and to make a long story short, um, he, he was there for a, maybe a year. Maybe a year before he started trying to uh, uh, almost almost use the ministerial position to kind of springboard to other things. Yeah. And therefore, you know, that wasn't his primary focus. That another red flag. Right. Sure. And, um, and and unfortunately, as as the years progressed, um, uh, there was there was unfaithfulness in marriage. And I mean, just so many things. That has way into anybody doing anything for you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have that gift. Yeah. My wife doesn't even want to talk about anything with me. She was like, Ian, I'm out. And I try and smooth talk. It never works. That's how I know I'm in with Jesus. <laughs> I never get my way. <laughs> oh, so, man. 
that's, so let's sorry. let's uh, let's press pause on being Debbie Downers for a minute, yeah. and instead of looking at the the poor decisions and and yeah. the hiring that have have gone poorly, man, tell us tell us a celebration story. When when have you seen a hiring process go really well? Uh, and I know you're you're too modest to say yourself, but your hiring process went really well because sure. 18 years yeah, says so, that was something that went well. Or maybe you just um, did a really good job of changing immediately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I mean, <laughs> too here that's really important is there's a dip when you say you know when Paul says don't hire a recent convert because they're not seasoned that I think. The 18 years you've had is a testament to the fact that you grow in ministry and you shouldn't get somebody that doesn't need to grow because that's impossible. You right. need to get somebody that is growing, maybe mm -hmm. is the best way to say it. And yeah. I, I, do, I think you're right a lot. We put so many priorities ahead of what scripture says that it's just very easy to miss that yeah. fact for sure. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think um, I, I'll give you one example of a of a guy who. Um, was who came into this area not being from this area. And, and I, I will say this because a lot of times, and, and this is kind of off subject, but, but this, I need to say this in order to kind of lead into this guy. Um, a lot of times your, your, your longevity at a place, and, and this particular guy was here for like eight years, a great, great friend of mine. But not being from yeah. this area, you know, there's, there's not a lot in our area. You know, we're not a big... Metropolitan top top place where there's tons of opportunity. You know, in this area, the coal industry was booming, and now all of that's gone, and a mm -hmm. lot of people have left. Um, in this area, we have uh, made one of, if not the highest, um, percentage of Christ of, of uh, prescription drug abuse in the yep. entire nation. Um, and right now with, with what we're doing, more family focused ministry, um, we're finding out that only 13% of students or children in this area have their biological mother and father at home. Only 13%. It's hard. So, so it's, it is a hard area. The poverty levels, the poverty, poverty levels big, but, but going back there, there's so much good that outweighs all of that. I'm, I'm not dogging on where I'm from. I'm just saying that to say that a lot of the guys in this area that are doing ministry and doing it effectively, most of us are from this area. Mm -hmm. And and so and so that I th I think that's a big key thing that a lot of churches hone in on in this area when they're hiring somebody. And this may be the case in other areas, but sure. but you and I say all this to say this, you want somebody that you're going to hire who has a genuine love for the people that they're there to serve. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's like being called to the mission field somewhere, you know? I mean, you want a heart for those people. Right. You want a heart for the situations that they're in. You are there to shepherd a flock. Mm -hmm. And and so you need to be able to care for those sheep. Uh, this buddy of mine who came in, not being from here, he came in. Uh, he's also a Boyce graduate, actually. There's there's not many Boyce graduates that come yeah. into the state. Uh, <laughs> but it was cool. We got we connected immediately, and, and we still to this day are very dear friends. Uh, he was here for seven to eight years, and then and then he uh, went on to plant a church somewhere. And uh, and man, he he did such effective ministry and such strong discipleship in this area to where um, obviously his youth ministry was growing. His church, the church as a whole was growing. Families were being strengthened uh, in, in that area. And, and we were able to, you know, 
put together a network of us and other youth leaders that would hold each other accountable and strengthen each other in the ministry as we seek to strengthen our churches. Um, you know, that, that, and that kind of, I, I say that as a, as a, as a success story, cause it, it certainly was. And, and you saw growth come from his ministry, not, not in the form of numbers, Sure. Uh, but in the form of making disciples. And, and that's because that's exactly what he did. That was his goal from the very beginning. And he came into a culture that was different from the culture that he knew. Yeah. Um, and, and, and he flourished here because he came in not thinking that he was God's gift to youth ministry. Yeah. He came, he came in with an attitude of, even though he's an, he was an extremely effective communicator, he came in with such an attitude of humility going into that position that he was completely at the service of the congregation themselves. He was there to, um, to meet their, their spiritual needs as much as possible and pointing them to Christ. And, uh, and he was in no way in this for himself and, and, and did not have that attitude that said that, uh, hey, I can make your kid more like Jesus. He, he, he did not have that. He, he understood that, you know, my job is to, is to point them to Christ. And uh, and I, I'll 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 praise God for him to this day, man. He's still killing it. <laughs> so that's, cool. That's huge. We uh, and I, you know, as far as we talk about ministries and contacts and all that. I mean, I remember I served in a small town um, and came into it as a college town. It was a smaller area, and it was really interesting because rather than than somebody saying like with this guy, so you talk about red flags. One that I should have seen from, and that's maybe what we want to shift focus to, that if you are interviewing and you're the interviewee for something, um, you talk about your red flags and what you need to pay attention to. I probably should have paid more attention to these guys wanted to hire me uh, to come and do student and college ministry and to invest. And, and this was, and I was like, well, that's great. I'm excited. And they asked that question, you know, why would you ever want to come to, to this town? It's terrible. And I was like, well, that's not, you're not selling it well, but um, <laughs> keep going. And so, but I went, and, and my answer has always been, it's the same thing, no matter where I'm at. Well, you know, I believe if I'm following where I believe God wants me to go, every, every person that I have is like you say, it's the shepherd to love those people and integrate hmm. relationships. But what was funny is that I heard over the course of about two years at this place, uh, every few months I'd say, Hey, I'm just, I'll try to get the pastor support. We were moving through and things were growing fast and there's a lot going on. And, he would always tell me, he'd go, well, I just need to understand you're an outsider. And I went, okay, but are you going to help me become an insider? Like it was, and yeah. he'd go, man, I just don't know. People here just don't, they just don't trust you. You'll just, you probably just, at one point he said, you're always going to be an outsider. And I went, well, that's a death sentence. And so <laughs> a great I'm always going to leave. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> that's, that's what, and, you know, and eventually they ended up, they hired somebody who was originally from there. And then he said, when I kind of decided it was enough, he'd set me down in my office and he said, oh, by, yeah, by the way, we're going to be giving half of your ministry to this person. And I went, all right, I'm out. Like, I, <laughs> I'm not doing this. And yeah. so, but it is, it's, it's crazy. You've got to love the people that you're going to be ready. And I, one thing you said that I didn't get a chance to, to point out is it drives me up the wall as a student pastor who's, who's exited out of that partially. Um, and I do teaching ministry, adult ministry and students, but it's, it is a, it drives me nuts when it's a stepping stone. No yeah. ministry should ever be a stepping stone. God may move you in it. I mean, I think if you're like a 75 year old student pastor, it's very rare that you're not creepy, but at one point, <laughs> you know, at one point though, it's just, I guess it's, it's kind of this idea of like when Paul begins to talk, somebody that's not 
built on their own self-interest. And I hear a lot of guys, well, I want to do student ministry for a few years and then I want to go do. And then I want to do the real ministry. But that's and, acceptable. And the really important jobs. Yeah, now. I've been in churches where pastors are like, oh, that's great. It's acceptable, but there's also that mentality amongst your congregation a lot of times too, to where it's like, oh, you're just the youth guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that and that doesn't help the cause at all. Not at all. No. no, I mean, if you're not being supported from the pulpit and you can't agree with the pulpit, then there's always going to be a huge problem. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And the and the problem there is, it's not so much ambition for future career goals yeah. as it is. I'm devaluing the role of ministry yeah. and, the, and those that I'm in this place to shepherd right now. I'm devaluing them because I think there's better value someplace else. Yeah, right. Which if, if that's your attitude, then go someplace else. Well, like, it, don't don't waste yeah. your people's time by thinking that they're less important than where you really should be. There's that's, so that's much. Silly. There's so much talk too about positions. Are we don't get caught up on the position, you know? And I get that, but positions are people. Well, I mean, when you're so when you talk about I want to step, I want to do a stepping stone to another position. Well, you're, who are you stepping? Who's the stone? Well, the stone are all those kids and all those students or all those adults or all the. I mean, that you turn people into objects, and that's a that is a dangerous, dangerous place to be. And so, I mean, I think it's important. I think positions are important just because they clarify the people that we're there to minister to and to take care of. Uh, and let, you know, at that point, obviously, they can get taken out. But what what do you think? So that all that to say. We've taught, we've hit on them a few times, but if we had to really think about it, what what are some filters that you think are are universal hire, you know, for a hire to turn out well? So not just Southeast Kentucky, which has its own context, but if you, whether you're in New York or Seattle or there or wherever you're at, what are some universal filters that both those being hired and those hiring can ask themselves and say? Because just like it's bad to be ru- rushed to hire somebody, it's also bad to rush to accept something and just accept right. it. So right. what would you what would you say to that? Uh, I th- I think one of the I, I think l- let me just say this first. I, th- I think one of the key characteristics in hiring anybody, if if I'm if I'm um, being considered for a position, or if I've got people in line that I'm considering for positions, um, it, it goes back to that guy who came in here. Man, if if they do not have a Christ-like attitude of humility, uh, I mean, if that's not obvious, sure. then then there could be. I'm not saying that there is. I'm, I'm just saying, man, you really want that to be in the forefront on, on anything because— How you divine that, though? Because, I mean, at one point, it's not a shame on you if somebody hides that. But what are some good ways that you can divine that idea and some questions? Or what are things you look out for to, to say that? Because a lot of guys talk a really good game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I, th- I think our—I think first of all, you know, our best biblical examples uh, come in, of course, Christ Himself. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life as a ransom for many. Um, you, you think of—I I think of John the Baptist, who, who John the Baptist, you know, this really rough-looking guy who who was an extremely effective communicator, albeit that he just <laughs> chewed people up and spit them out sometimes. <laughs> you know? Uh, but what does he say? He he yeah. says he must increase, I must decrease. Um, so so you you can have you can have a gentle um, personality. You can have a very authoritative type of personality. But but yeah. but humility can be seen in both of those. Um, it can it, it's 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 a virtue that we that that is fueled, of course, by the Holy Spirit. Um, but we need to be we need to be willing to. We need to be willing to serve, and I, I know that's a, that's kind of serve can be a very generic term in in, in a lot of ways. Um, as as a youth pastor, we need to consider 
Um, the, uh, let, let me say this, let me say this. Realize that as a student pastor, your job... I didn't get that. Could you try... Hush, Siri. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, oh, ever since I, ever since I got an Apple Watch, I, I've got a love-hate relationship with this thing. All right, <laughs> I really do. Um, we won't even edit that out. That was that was good. I think it's yeah, please don't please don't do that. That's that's reality. That's what yeah. that is. All right. Um, now now you're gonna have to remind me of the last thing I said. <laughs> you said oh, let goodness. me say this. Yeah. And that was yeah. That doesn't help me, Mike. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let me see. Let me see if I can backtrack here. Okay, uh, I, uh, yes, the youth pastors coming into position need to understand that uh, you're not hired to save the student ministry. Yeah. You're not. You're not hired to be um, the best thing since sliced bread. You're not hired for any of those purposes. Um, you are there to shepherd people. You are there to uh, love on students. You are there to um, really, and, and let me, and I'll say this too. Humility is also understanding as a student pastor that really, in all honesty, the students aren't your primary focus of who you're really ministering to. Yeah. Okay. Matter. Because, because here, here's what I'll say as a student pastor, I think your primary focus on the, on the people you're ministering to is ultimately those kids' parents Yep. Yeah. because yeah. you and, and this is where humility comes in and understanding this, you as the student pastor, you are not the primary source of discipleship in those kids' lives. Yeah. You're just not. Their parents are. And, and, and you need to be, you need to be more, I, I really wish more youth pastors total, uh, completely were, were more family oriented in everything that they did, you know, and I'm not knocking student ministry at all because I've devoted 18 years of my life to it. Um, but the mentality has to be that it's not about me putting on the best events. It's not about me being an effective communicator. It is about me meeting the needs of the students. And, and most of the time that comes in meeting the needs of the parents first. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah. and if, you, if you can encourage and equip parents to effectively disciple their children, then, man, you're going to have a lot easier run in student ministry. You really are. Your, your job stuff. is not to be a spiritual babysitter for right. teenagers. Your job is to disciple parents to disciple their kids. Like, That's I'm right. Teach you how to disciple your own kids. And I will, add, I will add to what you just said because I, I, think, I think we as the church has, have inadvertently created that mindset. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you come back to the 1990s where youth ministry was so program driven and, and it was even program driven coming out of, you know, when we came out in the early 2000s, because yeah, that was the big uh, thrust of youth ministry. OK, we need to get a crowd there. We need to do crazy outlandish things. I remember people eating live goldfish and stuff. Oh, yeah. and I'm like, dude, you would get tarred and feathered for doing that today. Yes. And it's completely changed the rate at which students drop out of the church. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. It didn't. <laughs> uh, that's uh, no, you're that's a hundred percent, and it's. But and I think though for student pastors too, that's a, that's a. It always has been for me too. That's a daunting thing because the conversation they're they're di more difficult conversations than easy ones at that point, and you you have to be willing to lovingly lead parents and lovingly lead whole families, and that is, and it's there's no greater joy 
than to see families grow and transform. The probably the biggest frustration ever for me is not when a student doesn't make it, but when a student doesn't make it because their family has no commitments outside of that. I mean, we talk about that here. We have, you know, families that, man, they take and take three or four or five vacations a year, mm-hmm. but, and that's what their priority is, but man, they don't, they just don't want to go to church. They don't want to connect, but they really want their kids essentially to vote Republican, not do drugs, not get anybody pregnant. Those are their three goals in life. And that must be being a Christian because that's what Jesus preached if, if they read their Bibles. And so, you know, <laughs> that's, that's where I think, yeah, that's a huge point. And, and I, I just, I hear it more and more. I think people cling to what is, um, what they've known in the past. I mean, I, I remember I've had parents come up and go, I just wish youth ministry was what it was in the eighties when I was there. I said, so when it was bleeding and doing terrible as well, like you don't, <laughs> why do you want to recreate that? But I think that we, the people cling to that. And so I see more and more not to knock. I, I do love everything that FCA does and I appreciate what they do, but I see more and more emphasis now on like fields of faith or on these. And I just want to go, guys, you can do all the events you want to do. It is not helping. So obviously stop going back to what's broke and trying to fix it or, and not just to pick on them, but I just see more, like we said, event driven and, and nobody realizes I have seen students make huge strides in their relationship with Christ only to just totally walk away because mom and dad never were reached. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's a travesty. Uh, one, one thing I've noticed, I'll, I'll hit on both of those two things that you said, talk, you know, we, we talk about these big extravagant youth events and stuff like that that we have. And, and we talk about seeing hundreds and thousands of people come, uh, students come to Christ. Uh, if you look back on every large scale youth event that has ever taken place in the history of man, all right, there has, there is rarely, if ever, sustainable growth from any of those things. Oh right? yeah, one hundred percent. Hardly, hardly ever. And what, and what, where the growth comes from is you see it all through Scripture. We're talking about small things that take place. Yeah. We're talking about the disciples gathered together in a room up in the upper room at at Pentecost. We're talking about you know Jesus taking three guys into the into the garden with them. We're ta- we're talking about stuff like this. To where you really want to see change happen, man, it, it starts it starts with a with a small group and, and then that bleeds out and then, then it's a domino effect. And then um well, we all remember those those events because you would have kids go down, they cry, and then I remember all at the student ones, they these they, they would set up and they'd go, It's it's in there so great. Students are counseling students. And whether or not it was students or adults, every time I'd go back and check with a student, I'd go, so what did you do tonight? Because my goal is to talk a student out of following Jesus not, and ask him all this until you know that it's real and to say, hey, are you sure? Hey, I want to hear in your words. And it was just crazy because we're walking through it and these kids always go, I just really, I had one kid, no joke, after an event, he went, my dog is just really sick and I need to pray for And I went, that guy just filled out a whole card that said you gave his life to Jesus and we're going to follow up with you. And he went, I don't know, but I was just there for cinnamon, cinnamon ate chocolate. But it was the same thing. I was like, man, that kid doesn't need an event. That kid needs a loving adult in his life. Somebody investing in him. That's right. That's right. The other thing, the other thing that I was going to make mention, and it goes right along with what you just said. Um, you know, there, there's, the, there's this kind of this unsung type of uh, universal 
statistic that we've always heard in student ministry that 88% or 80% of students when they when they become a senior after they graduate high school they leave the church all right mm. Let, let's assume I, I don't know exactly where that stat came from i'm not denying that it's true all right i'm not denying that let's assume for a second that's exactly true that mm. 88% of students leave the student ministry when they graduate high school here's the thing and, and don't think I'm insensitive here, okay? When G, after Jesus had fed the 5,000 in John 6, and everybody followed him across the sea, and they came to him and, and said, hey, we're here to follow you. And he's like, no, you just want food. You just want bread. You're, that's all you're after. Mm-hmm, right. And then he, you know, unless you eat my flesh, unless you drink my blood, you have no place with me. And then everybody turned around and left. Yeah. They all left. And, uh, and man... Who who was Jesus's focus in that minute? It wasn't the 88%. It was the 12%. Right. He turns to the disciples and says, you want to leave too? And their response is because they had been discipled. They go, where else can we go? Right. You know, you have the words of eternal life. And so, and so when I, when I share that statistic about the 88%, we get so caught up on that number that, our, the answer the answer doesn't lie in why do the 88% leave. The answer lies in why do the 12% stay, all right? Mm-hmm. There's your answer. And the answer is the same across the board for 20 years of student ministry. The 12% that stayed are the ones who were discipled. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's a great, That's a great point. The, I guess maybe to end out this one, um, there's a great question. Um, and just... I mean, we always like to just share, to share broad wisdom, to share what you know. And I mean, that's how we're all better together. Um, but like as a, as a student pastor, I mean, what have you learned <clears throat> to be essential filters in assessing like red flags um, when you're considering a church staff to serve on? Or what do you filter like at, on your church staff? How do you filter? What are filters you use for red flags? Um. Like, Again, I, I think I think have, and I'm kind of I'm kind of being repetitive here, but but I just I just believe it's it's the truth, it's the case. Yeah. Um, I think I think having a having a, a spirit of humility, uh, just a humble spirit, being able to do that, and, and that really needs to be across the board, no matter who you hire for whatever position on on pastoral ministry, because yeah. because we're we're doing this together, we're serving the Lord together. We're not putting our, we're not elevating ourselves above each other, and 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 we're not elevating ourselves really above the people that we're there to serve. You know, we are becoming a servant to all, and and so that's that's the first aspect. And then the second aspect, uh, one of the filters is just always, man, always be. This this should never be a fast process. It, it just it just, just never should. I've just seen so many bad things happen when when they thought okay we we've got to have somebody in place in order to in order to meet the spiritual needs of our of our children but but in reality um go ahead on on the other on the other side of it yeah um being in a hurry i need a job and so i'm just going to take yeah. the first church that offers me a position yeah because i just got to have a job i need i need the paycheck and right uh 
and that's so the, the same wisdom there. I'm not even both, Mormon, both and I'm going. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> don't even know what your denomination is, but you're offering me a paycheck. So where do I sign up? Yeah. When can I start? And, that's, and so that wisdom applies on both sides, right? Don't be in a hurry to hire and don't be in a hurry to accept. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because you you gotta you need to slow down and make sure. <laughs> and here's a red flag right too. Process. Toss out toss out a red flag indicator and just say you know what I need a couple weeks to pray over this. And I mean if you if you get I mean it's one thing if you like I need to pray about this for six months. But <laughs> but like if you if you get pushed back for being discerning and praying and doing that that's a, I mean I've been in those situations. That's a that's an important thing too. Yeah. So I think uh, I think you know give, coming from the perspective like. Like, let, let's assume for a second I was I was looking for another job right now. I, I was looking to be hired on. Um, and this may not be the case for everybody, but this is just something to consider if you're out there and you're looking for a position. Uh, man, if you've got a wife and kids, um, that's your priority above a job above your job. Now, your job is to provide for them, but you have to really take into consideration how this is going to affect a lot more people than you. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. And so so just keep that keep that on the back burner as well. Yeah, I don't, you know, just to, to end out, there's a couple of things that I mean that I, I've come up with as red flags. And I think it it really applies. <clears throat> it can apply to every position, but it really applies to student pastors. Because I think I think Eric Geiger, whether you love him or hate him, had a great quote when he said, I think that student pastors are, you know, are essentially the best head pastors because they they work an entire small church in and of itself. Right. They do family ministry. They do discipleship. They do all that kind of thing. And so, and I, and I think that they resemble that so closely. One thing that I have found that's really important is to make sure that you can go to a church without anything changing and be okay. Mm-hmm. I've gone to I've gone to a church and I had a church tell me I'm not without anything in that church. Without same, yeah, if that church is a mission statement gotcha. and how mm-hmm. that sorry yeah if, if the mission statement how everything work if it. It's the same thing with a spouse, right? You don't marry. I mean, it's a bad idea to marry somebody that you're trying to change, right? They, mm-hmm. You need to be okay if that person never changes because that always runs into, I thought I could fix them. Well, bad call. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to, to ministry, I have, I've served in churches where sometimes I've, I've been in a bad church because they said all the right things that I asked, and I can't really take responsibility for that. But there have been some where I was, I went into something kind of knowing in the back of my mind that they were very opposite on several things. And even though I voiced my concern and said, listen, I'm not reformed. Is that a problem? No, it's not. Well, you're not yet. <laughs> and then they brushed it off or, well, I'm not this. Well, I believe in this, this, and this, and I'm going to do that. Are you cool with that? Oh yeah. I mean, it's not really what we do and we'd be careful with it. But, and I, and really at the end of the day, it was a really uneasy feeling. And you both need to understand that if you don't fit that church's model or that church, is not 100% okay with you doing your own thing? That's a dangerous place to be because yeah, I, I remember uh, I just what that what you said kind of remind me. I remembered a situation where uh, somebody was hiring for a pastorate locally, and and, and a lot of, a lot of pastors around here they, they just happen to have wives who play piano, uh, oh. and uh, and so that that kind of is just a little bit of icing on the cake, I guess you oh. would for, for a church who's hiring that. And um, don't pay her, just make her play piano. Uh, yeah. yeah, but but I remember I remember a church asking. A hiree, and, and I and I and I thank the Lord for this hiree, man, because the church was asking, said, so, uh, so what will your uh, what your will your wife be doing as a part of of your ministry of your ministry? And uh, and the guy's like, you're not hiring my wife. Not good. <laughs> you no, know, yep. her job is to be a mom. 
and, yeah. and, and your job as a church is to care for her. <laughs> so, yeah. right. so I'm like, man, that was awesome. So response. Uh, Solid. That's great. Well played. So, well, Hey, so as, as we, as we close out, um, I want to, I want to give a minute or two cause you, you, your passion for this came through in this podcast and just because yeah. I know you, uh, I know some of what you're, what you're working on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you mentioned that stat in your area of only 13% um, yeah. of, of kid. I want you to, to tell our, our podcast listeners a little bit about the ministry that you are doing outside of, or uh, kind of yeah. in conjunction with being a student pastor mm-hmm. uh, called nonstop families. Tell, tell us what that is. Yeah, absolutely, man. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to to do that. Um, about a year, about a year, year and a half ago, you know, like like you said, this has always come through the ministry to where to where you realize that as a student pastor, really, who you're shepherding for these students is you're you're encouraging their families, you're encouraging their parents to be the primary disciple makers of their children, and then you're encouraging the children to to be willing, accept, be willing, willingly accept that training that they're supposed to get biblically. Mm-hmm. And so my wife and I, um, man, you know, things like foster care and adoption are, are so such a big part of our family and, and family discipleship, family worship is such a big part of our household. Uh, and then with so much involvement in student ministry, we're like, you know what, if we could just see families within the church worshiping together in their homes once a week, you know, if we if we could just make that a or, or, or present that as a normal thing that should be happening mm-hmm. in the lives of the families of our congregation, then if we then if, if stronger families, uh, stronger families can only result in stronger churches. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's just the that's just the logic there. And so what we've done is we have started an online ministry where uh, it's very. It's very much in its early stages right now. It's it's a very much a grassroots effort to try to communicate with families, and 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 we kind of go by this slogan: our job is to encourage and equip families to effectively disciple their children. That's what nonstop families is all about. It comes from Deuteronomy six, of course. You know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You shall teach these things to your children. When you walk by the way, when you rise up, you go nonstop. That's that's mm-hmm. kind of the, the deal. And so we've uh, we've created this ministry. It's a uh, it's you can check it out at nonstopfamilies.com. We just uh, launched the website this past week. We got a podcast that's starting up here in the next week, and it is really coming from the perspective. Like if you're listening to it, we're assuming that you are a parent who has never had a time of family worship in your house before. You know, and we're we're assuming that you're a parent. Who 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 doesn't know this? Who doesn't really have in mind this concept of family discipleship that we see yeah. so prominent in Scripture? Yeah. And and then you know, as a result of a lot of student ministry over the past twenty years, maybe you've um, whether you've realized it or not, not no fault of your own, and not even necessarily no fault to the church in and of ourselves, but you, but you've dove into this mentality that says it's the church's job to make my kids more like Jesus. Yeah. Right. Uh, Yep. Man, we just want to see we just want to see parents and and grandparents in this in in some cases, uh, we're really in every case, but to really be proactive in understanding that their biblical obligation is to disciple their children and to train their children up in the way that they should go. Um, that twelve percent that I talked about, you know, those twelve percent were usually the ones that had solid biblical discipleship at home. 
Or they were the ones who had none of it and were at everything we did and were like, pour into me. Yeah, yeah, right. But it was a hunger for discipleship. That was the factor. And so um, nonstop families, we are beginning to transition into this ministry full time, actually. Oh, wow. Awesome. Um, that, that's different from when I talked to you last time, actually. Um, and so we have uh, we have actually accepted a position to come on board as full time uh, missionaries at a local camp here that ministers to students, minister to families. So we're still going to be doing uh ministry to students there. But but our primary focus, I, I will be the executive director of adult and family ministries at this camp. Congratulations. And so our, our job, I'm still going to be on staff here at the church where I'm at, but I will be after 18 years transitioning out of student ministry. Um, and and I, think, I think it's due time just simply because my oldest daughters are 12 and they're getting ready to step into the student ministry. And I'm always one to believe, you know what? I may not be the best student to be the youth pastor. I probably just shouldn't be. And I'm totally fine with that because they, they hear from me every day. Right. And, uh, but the cool thing, the cool thing about what we're doing with nonstop families is, um, you know, for the first, for the first time in 18 years, I really feel like that as a family, we're doing ministry together, really from, from, you know, we, we've done ministry as a family. We, we've, we've been involved in that, but this is, this is the whole deal now, man. Um, and then, and, uh, and, and I, I know I'm getting I'm getting kind of long winded here, but I'll, uh, I'll I'll just say this: it is a it is a camp ministry. We are coming and serving as missionaries to be part of Camp Nathaniel in Southeast Kentucky. So it's uh, Camp Nathaniel C A M P N A T H A N A E L dot org, and uh, and and you can check out more about that there. But we will uh, we're taking our monthly support. And if anybody's interested in supporting monthly, you can go to nonstopfamilies.com slash support. You can watch a little video based on what our ministry is about, give you a lot more detail. But, but here's something that we feel called to do is that since we are so focused on foster care adoption and really creating more of an awareness for this and growing this ministry in the church uh, amongst the body of Christ, because uh, the church has always been proactive in that throughout history. Mm-hmm. Um, we are going to take 15% of our total support every month. And, um, and we are going to seek out Christian families who are, who, are, who are in the process of adoption, who are discipling their children, and we're going to help pay for their adoptions. That's awesome. Uh, so so cool. well 15% of any, of any support that we receive is going entirely toward that. And that's awesome. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for, <clears throat> for coming on and being a part of this with us. We, we always have as many mad pastors as we could find. And man, congratulations. So if you, if you want to hear more about Stephen uh, and see more about what he's doing, uh, go to nonstopfamilies.com. Is that right? We'll That's it. Don't know. Yep. Very cool. Yep. Um, well, Stephen, thank you so much. Uh, and we appreciate you. Guys, I appreciate you all. Thanks for having me on. Good to see you. That was Stephen Bell, uh, who is a pastor in Southeast Kentucky, doing a lot with families and, and has man, more student ministry experience than probably... 99% of the guys out there and has done it healthy. Um, so listen, we, I love some of those points. Um, don't be in a rush, take your time, make sure that you resemble Christ and, and spend some time with that. But we'll, we'll be able to see you guys next time as we dive in, but thank you for joining us at the mad pastors. Uh, so I'm Ian and you're Mike and we're saying goodbye. Make sure though, yes. before you're off that you subscribe and hit the notifications button because listen, 
just because you may not always connect doesn't mean somebody else didn't. We need you to share it. And so what you're doing, literally, it costs you no money to share this on your Facebook feed and say, hey, if you don't like these guys, troll them. If you like them, follow them. We'll take all we can get. We love you guys, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Mad Pastors podcast today. We hope that you found it not only encouraging, but beneficial that you have people in your corner doing ministry. Here's what we'd love for you to do. If you'd subscribe, review, and share our podcast, that would mean the world to us, and it'd help as many pastors to hear and be encouraged just like you were. G6 is also supported by partners and allies like you who are willing to financially give and be a part of this ministry with us. So if you feel like you'd like to be a part of this with us, just go to g6allies.com slash partner. And we'd love for you to become our ally in our mission to serve pastors and their families. If you have questions, comments, or just want to talk more with us about your particular ministry needs, just email us at hello at g6allies.com. We can't wait to see you next time for our next episode.